This week's episode contains binaural recordings. Listen with headphones if you can. Sounds curious. Hey there, welcome back to the Sounds Curious podcast, the podcast for the adventurous listener. We are sticking with our theme this week, but we are broadening our approach. So it's pretty obvious that we have jumped into this podcast thing with both feet uh, back in March And we were lucky enough to have some great interviews uh, at an event that I had attended. And we were able to launch a whole bunch of topics really, really quickly. And we get it that podcasting is, uh, you know, you're not stepping into a pre-made media audience. You're building one. So we want to take advantage of this upcoming interview with Dr. Isabella Van Alfren with her work on gothic music and her book, Gothic Music, Sounds of the Uncanny. And yes, in part, that's because we're really looking forward to that interview. But of course, uh, her current research is also really interesting to us here at the show. But we're sticking with it because this particular metaphor, gothic music, or sounds of the uncanny more specifically, is actually a really good theme to explore many more of the aspects of contemporary audio that interest us here in the show. So we obviously have a great interest in field recordings, and we're going to continue to explore that in future episodes. So we're going to stick with the theme of the uncanny, but we're going to shift our focus this week to the practice of sound art. Now, that is a huge topic in and of itself. If field recordings are hard to define and 
are currently a kind of catch-all term for everything that's not recorded in a recording studio or in a concert hall, then sound art is equally problematic. Now, we're going to engage with a very particular manifestation of sound art today because it overlaps with some of the things that we've talked about in previous episodes and also relates really well to the future episodes. Um, But we want to just open out the topic of sound art. Now, I come at this from a really particular perspective, just like field recordings. I come out of an academic background in which these things are sort of defined, but not really but we think of them as defined. Sound art is such a broad category because technically it covers everything from music composition and performance to field recordings that are played back to digital audio, very specific forms of electronic music like musique concrète. It's huge. So... In addition to all of those things, it's also contemporary media. It is artists trained with audio or engineering backgrounds, digital signal processing backgrounds, who are creating sound pieces that don't necessarily fit within the traditional confines of composition. But boy, there's a lot of overlap. Okay, so one of the big things that distinguishes sound art from all these other forms of sonic arts is a history of sound installation. Now, by sound installation, I don't just mean sound installation for theater or sound installation for film. I mean sound installed in a gallery or a museum to be experienced as art. So there's a whole history behind that, which we will get into, of course, in future episodes. But for now, let's examine this notion of installation, because in many of the pieces that we will explore here at the podcast, They are installed somewhere in virtual space. So since here at Banshee Media and specifically at Sounds Curious, we aim to present you with some of the most interesting and sometimes hard to find sound pieces out there. We're going to focus on a particular project that I first learned about from a Facebook group. It's a... It's called A Quiet Position, and it's basically for people who are interested in field recordings and sound art. And there's some great field recording artists and sound artists over on that Facebook group. And a few of them submitted projects for something called AcousticCameras.org. Now, we are going to put links to the individual pieces that we have featured in this episode and talked about in this episode. But acoustic cameras is not the perfect subject for a podcast because it's a website that allows artists to basically tap into 
internet or uh, wired cameras out there in the world. So everywhere from ocean sides in Tokyo and Iceland to little villages in Norway or there's a few laundromats and even a few home video surveillance cameras. As long as the camera's on the internet and has a live feed, an artist can upload a piece. So we love acousticcameras.org and we will link to all of these pieces in the show notes over at www.bansheemedia.com. So as I mentioned, we're sticking with this theme of the sounds of the uncanny to explore sound art and more specifically this particular manifestation of it on the web that you can enjoy and interact with for yourself as a way of focusing our attention for a minute on a as of yet neglected aspect of audio in our podcast and to open it out for further future discussions. Now, part of the reason that Sounds of the Uncanny helps us so much with these larger themes for sounds curious is because audio and the nature of it is so special so I mentioned that listeners are special people but that's also because the process of listening and sound in and of itself is kind of this magical thing it's well if you've ever worked in a recording studio it's it's a physical object if you're using tape or it's a virtual object It exists in the material world, and yet it doesn't. So sound is kind of uncanny, as we've mentioned, and certainly as the work of Dr. Van Elfren demonstrates. Sound art is in some ways even more uncanny, and certainly for acoustic cameras, we here at Sounds Curious found it very uncanny. Now part of this is because we associate visuals and sound so much in film and television that when we are looking at a camera feed we've been very much trained that whatever sounds we hear must go with the images that we're seeing when suddenly we're confronted with a live camera feed and we know that the composer or the sound artist couldn't possibly have known what we were going to be seeing at that moment. Is it nighttime? Is it daytime? Are there people? Are there no people? Is it a remote, isolated place or the center of a downtown village? Is it a camera on top of a building or is it a camera out at sea? Is the camera even focused? One composer who often participates in the field recording group on Facebook, Jez Riley French, wrote a piece for an unfocused live feed camera. So over and over again, these artists demonstrate to us this uncanny relationship between visual and audio media. Now, I'm going to point to some of my favorites and talk to you about my experience in interacting with them, but you should certainly go have your own first-hand experience and 
I have found Acoustic Cameras to be a great website to explore when I have 10 extra minutes in a day and want to go experience something really different. So you're probably thinking, okay, so sound art, whole enormous category of audio with many, many different kinds of artists and folks with enormously different backgrounds, all of which is kind of under this umbrella topic of sound art. But you say, why spectral? Well, Last week when we were throwing around topics like spectrality and hauntology, they refer to this very specific state of being material and immaterial. Last week I threw into the conversation a reference to haunted television from Derrida and Stieglitz and then had the supreme bad taste not to link to that book in the show notes. I will correct that. But whenever we invoke Derrida, I realize that's a name that not a lot of people have heard, but he introduced a a topic In his book, Spectres of Marx, obviously the title Spectres of Marx relates to our theme this week of spectrality. And he opens his book by explaining the kind of unique status of the ghost in Hamlet. This cultural icon and narrative where one of the central characters is dead, exists, speaks, but is not here physically. Now, for all my contemporary classical fans out there, you might say, hold on a second, isn't spectral related to the contemporary spectral composition movement? that we most closely associate with French composers like Tristan Muraille, Gérard Griset, and the Finnish composer Kaya Sarajaho, who, if you don't know her music, you really should run, don't walk, run, and listen to it. It's phenomenal. I say to you, no, this is not spectral related to the word spectrum. This is spectral related to specters, as I mentioned, specters of Marx. So ghostly, as opposed to music that's based upon the spectrum of frequencies created by individual sounds. So we will get into that in future episodes, but for now, we are reveling in the ghostly Now, here, the work of Dr. Van Elfren and many other Gothic scholars and the relationship of the Gothic to time and space is particularly important. 
One of the reasons that binaural recordings are so uncanny, the recordings that we were dealing with in last week's episode, is because they allow us to have a spectral presence in the spaces in which they are recorded. When we are experiencing a binaural recording or a sound installation designed to replicate the experience of space, we're also experiencing a kind of ghostly presence, not of a ghost of an individual like Hamlet's father, who can tell us things, who can observe and respond to things even though they're no longer present, but more the spectral presence of a time and place in which we did not participate physically, but which we experience later in time by immersing ourselves in the recordings. And so now that I explain the spectral, its relationship to the uncanny is obvious. And even more than that, its relationship to sound is obvious.
So as you can hear, we've just jumped worlds. The extended excerpt that I played is from a duo called The Digital Intervention. And it was the first piece that I heard on AcousticCameras.org and it haunts me. So I guess that's a further reference to spectrality there. But the first time I heard it, I thought that the people that I saw walking across a field in the live feed were somehow crunching in the snow and that sound was being communicated to me. When I tuned in much later in the day, and I'm many, many time zones away, and it was very dark, there were no people walking across the field. And the earlier sounds of human movement, I realized, were completely unrelated to what I was seeing. That sent me down a rabbit hole. I had to know more about the digital intervention, about the duo and the artists who made it up. It is, uh, they're both sound artists and composers, and we're going to link to all their work. I had a wonderful time exploring each of their pieces and their careers, which are both very different, and yet they came together to make this beautiful and haunting piece which I'm now talking about over another beautiful and haunting piece, but which was made for a completely different purpose. It's a field recording of someone walking along the Seine in Paris. So you see how easily in the field of audio, something that is created as a composition and something that is created as a field recording can almost sound identical. At the opening of this episode, you heard an excerpt from my own piece, Twelfth Consciousness, which was released as a media work for audio and video in Surround. It was released by Everglade Records on a disc called Sounding Out. And it was actually one of my first professional projects with our most recent successful opera premiere composer-performer Kristen Nordeval that, again, we're hoping to interview very soon about this wonderful premiere she just had in Montreal. But my experience of AcousticCameras.org watching something when I realized it was live feed and then hearing the pieces that were put with them, I realized that the fact that the artist and composer had no control over what the viewer and listener was going to experience at any one given time. They left up control of the visuals to the camera. They created sound that they hoped would apply to whatever we might see. Now, this is reinforced when you see different artists producing work for the same camera. There is a camera pointed at a little downtown village. And I noticed that there were two very, very, very different pieces going with it. So I'm going to present them both, and I will link to them both again in the show notes. And you can go watch them yourself. And it's very fun to go back and forth with the same camera at the same time of day. And experience... experience the same beautiful piece of music contextualized differently for you each time. In essence, lending this notion of spectrality to more than just the audio, but also to the visuals. 
There's something about pairing pre-recorded sound with live visuals that's just as haunting and spectral as placing live audio with pre-recorded visuals. So here are two pieces, one camera.
So if after listening to those two pieces, those two works of sound art attached to the same camera, would you ever have imagined in a million years that they would go with the same piece of media or even be featured in the same place, never mind with the same camera? One, a gorgeous polyphonic renaissance choral piece. Attached to the same video camera by Voix Anime, the ensemble that recorded it and graciously uploaded it. It is absolutely stunning. Go hear it all. Again, links in the show notes. Followed by what I can only assume is the composer-performer as well as sound artist, Laurent Bronner. Laurent Bronner. I'm not really sure how it's pronounced. Whose extended technique piano work I have a very difficult time distinguishing from contemporary classical or contemporary improvisational performance. And certainly it does not fall outside the realm of very contemporary music for me. So from an academically trained composer's point of view, listening to a Renaissance piece and a very contemporary piano piece with extended technique, attached to the same visual feed is automatically going to be a very uncanny place for me. And if you remember back to the quote from Gothic Music, Sounds of the Uncanny, that I used last week, in addition to the uncanny relating to the separation of the sound of something in the physical world being separated from its source in media. And that's something that is used to manipulate us in films and television. And we're also, again, trained by these medias to see actions on the screen and sounds that we hear, as well as emotions and atmospheres on the screen that we've been trained to interpret through music, underscoring. We're very trained to experience sound and visuals as related even when they aren't. And so when sound artists take very disparate pieces and attach them to the same visuals, it's a very uncanny experience. In some ways, it's an extension of the uncanny property of music in allowing for the overlap of various times and realities. And this then becomes extended to the visuals at AcousticCameras.org. We are encouraged to experience an uncanny mix of spontaneous visuals and pre-recorded music. But if we've been relying too heavily here on the music theory, there's a whole lot more over at AcousticCameras.org. Both of these pieces were very much performed in a kind of Western concert style. 
But there's a lot more over at AcousticCameras.org. For instance, this is one of my favorite pieces synced to a camera in Japan. And I find it incredibly moving no matter what time of the day or night I listen to it. And since we don't have visuals here in the podcast, let me set the scene for you. There is a live feed camera pointed at an insanely winding, well, an insanely dense set of staircases in Japan. And depending on what time of day or night you see it, it's very serene with just a few people passing. But the intensity of this piece, when paired with the often tranquility of this very urban scene, is hauntingly resonant in and of itself. Oh, 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 oh. 
So that particular piece, entitled Deficit des Années Antérieures, carries such a huge wallop of emotion and just pure sonic richness that when I see a single person walking up those stairs in the camera, I can't help but put all of that emotion onto their experience. And it certainly gives voice to gothic ghosts. The voice, the voice of humans, which is so remarkably uncanny when it's played back to us on recorded media. Voices create an instant spectrality. Now the piece that's under us right now is another one from AcousticCameras.org. Another one of my personal favorites. Because the camera is pointed at the ocean in Ireland. And the waves of sound. The vibration of the piano and the strings automatically gives me a spectral experience of the ocean and the emotion of this piece somehow always perfectly matches the waves. So if all of these amazing pieces from so many different kinds of artists featuring so many different kinds of audio don't strike you as extraordinary, I don't know what else I can do. They are as immersive as many of the binaural field recordings 
that I've had the pleasure to present you. But they leave us wondering this fundamental question, perhaps even more so. What's the difference between sound art, music, field recordings, all these things that we configure as so different professionally. And yet when we put them one next to the other, the overlap is unmistakable. It's both present and not present. The overlaps between music and sound art, immersive field recordings, are perhaps best described as spectral. Each haunts the other. Humans leave our trace on all of them project ourselves into them, alter our emotions with them, understand our experience with them. So go check out AcousticCameras.org. And as we get into the world of sound art more fully in future episodes, We are never going to come to a definition that separates it from a lot of the other things that we love here. But we're just fine with that. We don't have to worry about what category it's in when we listen. We can just listen. So we'll end this week on my own piece of sound art to contribute to the august list of composers and sound artists that we featured this week, as well as field recording artists, all of whom you can find in our show notes over at BansheeMedia.com. This piece is called Twelfth Consciousness, and it certainly gives voice to gothic ghosts overlaps various times and realities in more ways than I could describe here. And I guess it's my own piece of uncanny or spectral sound art. Thanks for listening this week. We hope you enjoyed it. We certainly did. We'll catch you next time.
<sighs> it is just not as quiet in here as it used to be. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs>
this point, I'm really not sure. I don't know if you just get this position. I think the more that I talk, the is going to end up.